Hi, no double act intro today for this episode, just me. I'm chatting to Fran, a beautiful soul who shares her compassion and wisdom that she gained in the process of healing from the childhood abuse she experienced. We talk about shame, rucksacks, the stars aligning and speaking out. I hope you enjoy this episode. Look after yourself. Hello and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly what we learn that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I speak with a different guest. Before we start I'd like to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their stories and the impact that they have on you the listener. Please look after yourself when you listen and reach out for support if you need to. Today, I'm chatting with the fabulous Fran Mills, who was subjected to childhood sexual abuse and as a result struggled with really low body confidence over the years. Yet it was through discovering open water swimming that she's been able to finally accept and love her body as it is. Welcome, Fran. Thank you. So we met through open water swimming, through being part of Boston Blue Tits. Um, and certainly I know from my own experience, you know, I know the benefits that that sort of wild swimming or open water swimming has both on us physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. You know, I always the world is always a better place after I've been for a swim. And obviously, this is something that we'll sort of get onto later in the podcast. But, but just to sort of start off, um, so you experienced sexual abuse as a child. I, I can't imagine what that must have been like because because I didn't. But obviously, that had a massive impact on, I guess, how you viewed yourself and how you how you viewed your body as well. Perhaps we can sort of start there if you can sort of share how how that was for you, what the what the impact of that was. It was obviously it's difficult. And the thing is, um, I suppose I see it as um, like a bereavement. If you think of bereavement being robbed of or deprived of something valuable, Mm. um, a childhood where you're constantly alert to the dangers and you're living in fear and in shame means that it's not really a childhood that you look back on um, and remember with any positiveness so I kind of do feel that I I lacked that kind of childhood where it's the best place in the world for a lot of children Um, and so I do feel robbed of that that experience which Mm. obviously led to being quite a um, yeah led, led to all sorts of other difficulties later on in life yeah yeah I think it's the same not just maybe for people that um, have struggled with uh, or suffered from sexual abuse I think maybe many children where there's domestic violence or whether perhaps they have uh, ill parents or even an ill sibling they can kind of feel that a lot of their childhood gets lost so I think the the loss of certain areas of childhood is is more common than perhaps I, I would imagine um, because I think lots of people out there can feel that they didn't have the childhood they felt or they feel perhaps they should have or deserved. Yes, especially when they are mixed with people who who didn't have any of 
those traumatic experiences. Yeah, and of course, it's the formative years of your life. So you, you do a lot of your learning and that learning becomes a little bit warped. So to undo that is quite a long process and could be quite difficult. So it's very significant, I think. Mm. What impact did it have on you sort of in your younger adult years then um, before, I suppose, before you perhaps started realising or started embarking on that growth of all that, that journey of accepting yourself? Well, in, in a typical sense, if you think about, say, a Kubler-Ross type of bereavement, that denial is very significant. So for the many years, it was buried and avoided at all costs. It was packed down inside. But it, the trouble is when you bury and pack things away, they, they come out in other ways. So... Mm. I struggled, um, I suppose, in my early teens and late teens with quite a significant eating problem. Um, and I think that was a lot of me rejecting who I was, therefore rejecting food. At that point, I guess I didn't really understand. I just knew that I didn't accept who I was and I couldn't seem to accept the, the, the nurture and nature that food provides. So I was quite anorexic. Um, and really, really struggled without really understanding what was going on for me at the time. But yeah, that, that avoidance was pretty significant, um, not wanting to, to almost know, but knowing something and pushing that away. And then, as, as often happens, something comes into play to, to help you cope with that um, on the outside. So I do believe that often internal struggles end up having something more physical and external as a way of kind of managing that. yes and I suppose because you had pushed down the experience sort of hidden them away nobody was able to make that link for you no. that, that the the eating disorders were because what what had happened to you no and I wasn't making the link particularly and didn't mm. want to either so you know it um it wouldn't have been easy for anyone because I do believe there's we all there's a certain time and place for people when they feel ready and I wouldn't have been ready and certainly didn't really feel ready till much much later on in my life it's about it's almost like the stars and moons lining up there becomes a place where you feel able and supported enough to be ready to deal with something um, and I don't think anyone can tell you when that is and I think that's really important for people mm. um, that there doesn't you know we, we know that there might be stuff but when we have to feel in the right place and everything has to feel lined up to to be brave enough to start that process I believe yes and a bit like grief isn't it that it's exactly. I mean you know it is a form of grief that it's you know everybody's grief journey is very different and takes a varying lengths of time to not to get over what you've what you're grieving but to to sort of accept it and for it to for it to sort of just become part of who you are in your life and you're able to to then live your life almost sort of unburdened from the grief grief is still there but you've you've processed it and it's sort of integrated into your life is it's perhaps what I'm trying to say the, the word burden is something that I it's interesting is it because I I kind of view it a bit like I, I'm very visual in in how I understand things and I kind of visualize a lot of it not just my kind of loss and bereavement, but it generally is a bit of a rucksack, I suppose. 
you whatever loss you have is inside that rock rucksack and you don't always know what's in it and you carry it and you and everything's harder because you you're under this burden or this weight mm. um, and it takes a while for you to actually sit down and think actually I'm going to look inside this in the many pockets and see what's there and that that it might you might do a bit of that you might look in one pocket and then think well, that's enough and zip it up again um but to actually look at it all and understand what's what's in that rucksack that's in your life that's making life heavy and difficult that that that's something that happens over a time yeah. and I think the thing is even though you maybe you look into it and understand it it doesn't mean that you can toss it out you don't you don't just toss it away and suddenly you let go of the rucksack the rucksack is is with you it's your life it's your experience but actually you then can learn strategies to help you maneuver with it um mm. and I don't actually goes away but you do develop strengths abilities to to manage it better yeah I, I really like that analogy I'm getting the picture of actually no you're right you don't you don't look in there and think oh, okay well I'll, I'll toss this bit out now I'm sort of done with that but you may be perhaps looking at it and think oh okay actually if I squidge this about a bit do a bit of work on it or maybe move it to a different part of the rucksack then actually that just then makes it a bit lighter to carry so it's almost sort of reorganizing it to a a more stable yeah more a more stable base I I can see that in my life it's been lopsided so much that it, it 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 took me over um and again another very big um part of uh bereavement I suppose is that depression which was linked to shame for me and I just think the rucksack became very lopsided and took me down and many times I've you know really struggled um with really hard and very difficult depression and to the point where you can't get up and it's so heavy actually just getting up is too much and you just lay down because you just don't think I can actually move with this rucksack anymore but I think I think now um, I'm not saying that it's sometimes heavy, but it's more balanced. So I have it balanced so that I know what's what and where it's at and I can deal with it better. Um, and I, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. It made me smile, actually. I was thinking the other thing that I think I've developed is I've developed padded shoulder pads on my rucksack. Okay. Um, and I think that's kind of the the allowing of, of love, of friendships and friends um that gives me that kind that gives me that padding so it doesn't cut into me anymore I have it padded out because I accept that there are people that care about me and for a long time I didn't allow that so I've also got padded shoulder pads pads on my rather large rucksack um which makes life so much easier to um carry on so yeah that's something that really made me smile actually that yeah that's a lovely analogy actually Mm -hmm. yes yeah to send sort of to work on what can I what can I put in those shoulder pads or maybe as a a hip strap or something that will just make this easier and more comfortable to carry there are always ways to improve things aren't there yes yeah absolutely so when you were at your darkest point with all of this what was there a defining moment when when things started to change or was it more of a, a gradual sort of process what helped you start padding out your your rucksack I definitely don't think it's um a quick answer to that I don't think there's one thing 
I do think it's it's a process that you don't I don't even if I'm really honest I I don't know the starting point but it was gradual I think part of that was accepting people around me actually liked me and loved me part of that was talking um I did have some uh, therapy um and then went on to do my own helping other people in in and became a counsellor and psychotherapist myself and did did um that qualification and often so often it's um it's a healed heal the what what is that there's a book I read it I remember something about healing to to help you yourself Mm. and I think there's something in that but um but I never really spoke about it hugely I had one or two friends that knew bits and one of the people in my life that was really important to me and we did our masters together and I, I divulged to her for the very first time quite a lot of stuff and I think it was that slowly drip feeding things and actually waiting for people's reaction and I was waiting for complete repulsion and revulsion and, and it didn't come so that was I think the starting point of actually you know not keeping it all locked in and not letting the shame f- stop me speaking um, and often when I started to speak, I'd have such an enormous um, pressure in my throat, almost like being gagged. It was so difficult. It was so difficult. But slowly and slowly, it got a little bit easier. And then um, last year, I did like did this huge thing with the Boston Blue Tits, uh, Boston Blue Tits, the, the main Blue Tits, where we talked about bodies and um, how we felt about our bodies. And and for some reason, I saw this advert and clicked and said, oh, I'd quite like to do it. And I got picked as one of 10 women to go down to Wales mm. and have a photo shoot and talk about it. And I'd never dreamt that I would get picked. It, and when that, I got rung up and said, yeah, actually, we want you to come. Well, talk about a flux of anxiety. Yeah. But you know, I did it. And it was amazing because... What I learned was the response I got from 99% of everybody that knew me was, it was like, wow, Fran. And they didn't, they didn't see me as I saw myself. There wasn't any shame on them. There wasn't any repulsion. There was, there was some people that didn't mention it. And I often thought, I often thought about that as when, you know, when you've been bereaved and people cross the street because they don't know what to say to you. Yes. Some people that did that, but I actually recognise that that's probably their stuff, not mine. But majority of people were so overwhelmingly encouraging that it really made a massive difference to me personally. It was like, I don't need to hide anymore. I don't need to be ashamed of this thing. This thing happened, maybe robbed me of so much, but actually now is the time to experience love and and laughter and joy and I can do that now if I didn't do it maybe as a child but it's not too late Um, and I think probably the biggest grown-up kid I know to be honest (laughs) I would agree with that from what I know of you (laughs) life is way too short and it feels like I'm up for lost time so anything that's completely foolish or silly or mad and crazy on there I want to do it I want to dress up and I want to plunge into cold water and I think I think for me regaining maybe um because I do I do I love open water swimming and running and cycling so that kind of balance between physical feeling strong physically after years of feeling very vulnerable physically helps and has taught me and helped me heal now that's my my the way I have 
manage to heal. But for lots of people, it'd be something different. But the only thing that you can do is just to take one small step and see um, whether that's having a couple of dogs that I have that absolutely love me or playing some musical instruments or cooking or bake, whatever it is that floats your boat that makes you feel in control of yourself. It's it just have a go. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, having some control over my body now um, and yeah, plunging it into very cold water. I mean, that is just total 100% relief of whatever pressures are in your head because you can't think about anything else. No. It's just so overwhelmingly freeing. There is, there's no thought process other than the cold water. And I think that's why it's um, so therapeutic, to be honest. That and other things I do. So, yeah, I, th I would urge anybody that feels a bit trapped or unsure just to have a go at something and have a little step at something they enjoy and find the joy in whatever it is that, that floats their boat. Yes, because it could be anything, as you say, couldn't it? It doesn't necessarily Absolutely. have to be open water swimming. That was no. that was the route that you found, but it could be it could be other ways. And I think often it's when it's it's the communities that are created whether yes. you're in a running community or whether you're in a choir or, um, you know, a craft group or an arts group or whether you're an open water swimmer. But often it's being it's being in that community with people from all walks of life, all experiences and backgrounds. And actually you become accepted in that community because of your participation in that shared experience as opposed to who you are or what your history is. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I think acceptance is, is a really important kind of word, isn't it? Because it's, it's people accepting you and helping you to accept yourself. And I think that's a, it's a double whammy really. And I think it helps you to think, to look, I look at myself now and think, actually, you know what, I'm okay. You know, I, I am okay, I can smile and actually like myself. And that, that comes outside in, but inside in, if that makes sense. Mm. It's a double, dual processy thing really. Um, but it's, yeah, it's finding your tribe and that might be, all sorts, like I say, all sorts of things, but it's a very important part of healing, I think. Getting out and taking the risk. And it's not, I acknowledge, it's not easy. This this isn't a one-day wonder. This isn't a gradual process. It's that small steps, really, believing you're worth it, being worthy, and, um, and not letting whatever has happened in your life keep um, its grip on you. And I think, I'm just going back a bit now, I think one of the, the things was that um, anger or I turned so much inside and made it my own fault and blamed myself. And, you know, there was parts of it where, it, you know, I was kind of informed that, it, well, you wanted this or it's your fault, you can't say anything. So actually sharing, us talking out loud, it was a huge no-no you know, it was, I was told so many times you mustn't say anything, but that was only, that was, that was such a lie. Um, and actually it's really important that we speak out and we say and risk it really, risk all the things you think might happen that actually won't. So yeah, acceptance. And I mean, again, what a huge part of, 
of um, grief acceptance is in, in so many uh, modalities and you know acceptance to the loss and learning to adjust and relocate to the that's a huge part of the bereavement isn't it and that's in even in my case I think adjusting to what has happened accepting that it's happened but not letting it continue to keep me in dark depression or keep me in denial it's yeah. um yeah it's rather special yeah and I think as well having that courage to speak out it's it's a ripple effect then isn't it because did you then find after you'd done this article last year that maybe other people approached you and kind of almost said yeah me me too yeah huge, made, be, get, yeah gave them the courage because they saw you had been courageous and the the acceptance from within that community that you'd had that actually maybe gave them the courage oh maybe maybe I can turn things around as well Absolutely. I was really um, flabbergasted at, um, because one of the things I struggled with was I knew that Blue Chips were putting it out live, but what would I put it out on live on, on my social media? And I, and in the end, I decided, yes, you know what, because people might find it anyway. And I had numerous, numerous um, uh, personal messages back with um, people sharing their tales um, and bits of their stuff that you know how it affected them and, and I think if that that for me made it all the more worth it I mean it's definitely part of my healing process but to know that it's given other people courage um, to do something about their own their own abuse meant so much and if I gave anyone just that little you know little gentle compassionate push mm. to to, to change then it was well worth it and I, you're right yeah I, I was inundated it it felt amazing and I you know I don't I don't think that that's anything necessarily um to do with me but I think it was like you say it was that I don't know I don't know it's brave I don't like that word brave but that yeah I just was in the right place at the right time I was offered an, an opportunity and I took it but yeah, that, that was amazing, actually. Yeah, the stars had aligned. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that was just it, right time, right place in my yeah. life, in how I was feeling. It also coincided with some significant bereavements that took some pressure. It was just, it just was the right time. And I think, I do believe that everyone has a time when it feels right for them. And you could offer people support and you could offer them everything but if if, if if they're just not quite ready then you mm. just move and patient and give them lots of love and and just you just say next to them and, and let them do it when they're ready really let them talk about yes. it when people do these things if they're not quite ready and you you know there is some damage to be done in forcing people absolutely um, I liken it to just kind of sowing a few seeds a few seeds yeah. of possibility yeah yeah Yes, I think that's right, actually. Um, but know that you can. And, you know, I, I feel so blessed, lucky um, to have man managed to escape from a very, very dark 
place. One of the things I, I have done in my life as well as I've done some art therapy courses. Um, oh, okay. A lot of the stuff I, I drew without really knowing was always this, this very small child shut in this very dark cellar and there were no windows um, and she stayed in the corner. And, and those pictures that I drew gradually, she, 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 um, she stopped, she had her knees up. And the first thing she did was, was actually just stand up. She was still in the dark corner, but she stood up. And then gradually she went over to the window. There was a window, but it got a big sheet across it. And she just went towards the window. And then she just peeped, just took a little bit of that sheet out and just looked outside in the garden. And then a little bit more. And eventually she was brave enough to take the sheet down and look out and gaze into the outside world. And eventually she found a door and opened it a little bit. And then I lift it more and eventually she let herself out of that dark place. Um, but she needed that place to go back to just mm. in case it's not overwhelming. And I think I think that's important as well. As much as I feel now that I'm out in the open, there are times when I need to retreat. Yeah. Maybe not go to that corner, but just to go back to feel safe and lock myself away and gather my strengths and gather everything I need to get back out there. And I think again, it is a very slow process um and it, although it that picture paints a story of somebody that's going out into the light and how wonderful it's actually really really scary because yeah. you you can be seen and what I did I think last year with the blue tits was I, I stepped right out to be seen and that was really scary but actually it was it was also amazing mm, yeah you can imagine sunshine on, on the skin that hasn't been ever felt and that love and the friendship and the support I felt was it was just amazing um, oh, yeah. I mean what a beautiful I mean do you still have those pictures what a beautiful yeah, yeah what a, a beautiful as I say what a beautiful picture that you've you know that you've portrayed there are a series of of pictures yeah. I hope would you ever consider publishing those I just think that's beautiful the way that you you described it you don't need to say yes or no because you <laughs> might think, oh, I've, I've committed myself now on the podcast. But yeah, yeah. so that's just me sowing a seed. <laughs> no way. No way. But yeah, I just thought that was that was um, as you were as you were sort of talking through, you know, the different pictures. That was just such a, a strong visual picture and, and I actually felt quite emotional just listening to you talking through that. And you're right about once you've gone out into that light, you still need to occasionally retreat back in. But I suppose the key thing is you don't necessarily feel you need to retreat all the way back in, yeah. but you perhaps just need to. And it's, and I guess it's just about having that awareness of, oh, okay, I, I just need to retreat for a little bit and listen to my body, listen to my emotions. Yeah. And is now I have the key to the door. Mm. yeah and it's your choice to be in there and I know I know the things I need to do to get myself out when I feel ready um and sometimes it's different things but there is a whole host of different things that are part of my key and if you look at a key no two keys are the same are they and they have different notches and, and my key is very individual and bespoke to me um and that will be different for everybody else which is why we can never give one key to somebody and go well, this is your answer this is your key this will unlock you it, it won't because that's my key and yeah. there's something 
say, but it's very individual, but just keep trying um, and be persistent and just have a small step. So that's my encouragement to anybody that maybe hasn't ever spoken about something that's gone on in their childhood. You know, don't stay in that corner, um, locked in that dark cellar, you know, just take a small step. Um, and it's scary, but it will be okay. And just surround yourself with support and do what you need to do for yourself. And it can, it can be done. And it's pretty glorious outside. There's a lot of beautiful colours. There's a lot of beautiful things um, that you can experience. It doesn't matter how old you are. Look at me. I'm nearer 60 than 50. And um, it's taken me too long. And I so wished I'd had the courage or the, the lineup of stars to do it earlier in my life. But it, it was what it was, you know. And... Uh, Never too, never too old. No, and I suppose because it's happened later in life that the stars have aligned for you and, and you've been able to step out into, into that wonderful light, is that I, I think you're going to have an absolute blast. <laughs> you know, for the, for oh, you know, the, the years and years of, of active living that you've, that you've got left, you know, knowing you know what you you know how much energy that you you have for yourself and for other people and just your your love of life it's infectious actually you know yes, <laughs> yes you have a, a real infectious sort of love of life and that's and that's beautiful because that actually then spreads those ripples out because you know anybody you know who swims with you or spends time with you actually feels better for it because of your because of your love of life now. I hope so. I hope so. That, that That's lovely to hear. And it's just never too late. So I, I, I'd hope if anyone listens and whatever kind of grief or a bereavement that they have or have experienced, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that occasionally you don't get knocked down and the rucksack feels a bit heavy, but pad it out with those that are around you that love you you know, share it when you feel able. And you do develop the muscles to carry on in life, regardless of what rucksack you're wearing, you know. And that, that like anything, you don't build that up overnight. You don't suddenly learn to run a marathon in one day. You have to have a, a little bit of a run and then a longer run. And, and I guess my rucksack and me, are, we've, we've done some strength, strength training mm. over the and have got very acclimatised to each other and uh, it won't stop me now. No. And I suppose following that analogy on a little bit more, you know, there may be days when actually it makes you a bit stiff or sore or you pick up a blister somewhere. As you're going through that, there will be elements of, of discomfort through that journey. Absolutely. When you might want to stop and just go, okay, I, I need to, I need to rearrange this a bit now. This is, this is a bit uncomfortable, but I know I can rearrange it and make things feel better. Yeah, or give yourself a plaster. Now, every now and again, there's yeah. nothing wrong with a bit of a plaster, a bit of self care plaster. Never did you any harm, you know. And sometimes you do need to sit down and rest and take in the view. Um, yeah, and I think really important you know not to charge on to stop and actually sit down rest look at where you've come from mm. look at what you're, where you're going um, and be reflective I'm, I'm a quite a reflective person part of my background I suppose but 
sometimes if you're pressing on and on and on, you, you can get exhausted and you do need to sit down and think, well, actually, look where I've come from and I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, and just keep taking small steps. Oh, that's that's lovely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story, Fran. It's I'm sure there will be so many people who can relate to that and will maybe get some comfort or some some hope that actually, you know, they can they can find that key to un- unlock the door and, and step out into the open and and that you can you know it's it's a long journey but actually you can learn to to love and accept yourself so thank you so much it's been an a- absolute pleasure chatting to you thank you oh my goodness fran so much wisdom so many powerful analogies about healing in what you shared just amazing and thank you for your vulnerability and your courage if you've been affected by this please reach out for support and i'd like to thank my support networks who helped me produce this podcast to jamie farrell for the beautiful music and to you of course the listener and i'll be back soon with another episode of lessons from loss